Welcome to episode 259 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us. For many of us, right now it seems a little bit harder than usual to find the good in the world, and finding things to be optimistic about can seem like even more of a chore. If you know what I'm talking about, and I'm guessing you do, you don't want to miss today's episode. This week, I sat down with Live Happy CEO Deborah Heise to talk about how we can look for what's good in these trying times and find positivity and optimism and make the most of this most unusual time. Deb, welcome, as always, to Live Happy Now remotely, our remote social distanced version of Live Happy Now. It's always glad to be here, Paula. And yes, it is a social distancing time. So we are in our respective homes and having this conversation. It's a unique experience. I haven't done one of these from my house yet. Yeah, we'll see. There, it's all about new experiences right now. It really is. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk to you because you always have such great insight on kind of the lesson and the goodness of what's going on. So when you look at what's going on, how do you start finding some of the positives in the pandemic? Well, there are some real positives for many of us. I don't want to say all of us because not everybody is in you know the, the social environment where they have a family to be at home with. But for those of us who do have a family to be at home with and people we live with, you know, one of the great positives is truly eating dinner together every night, truly spending time and, and, and being in each other's, involved in each other's lives. You know, for me, I found in a way that I haven't had the opportunity to do before. You know, I love to cook, so we don't go out other than to get groceries, really. So I've been able to cook, we've been able to have family dinners at kind of the same time every night, because I'm also not stuck in that car for 45 minutes on the way to and 45 minutes on the way from the office, and I'm not getting home to load the kids into the car to go to whatever practice is, is on for the night. So it's certainly, it's created kind of a, I'm going to say a, a change of pace that is welcome, I think. Might be the first time in my adult life I'm getting the right amount of sleep per night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Well, I've heard that. I've, I've also heard the flip side of that is true. But and we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, we were talking in our house the other night saying, I wonder how many people will when this ends and, and it opens up, how many people will decide voluntarily, like, I'm not going to go back to that job because I found that this is like I was spending too much time doing X, Y, Z and not enough time with my family or taking care of myself. I think it's a real eye-opening time for a lot of people. Well, I think that's true. I also think it's an eye-opening time for a lot of employers. Being a manager, be, being someone who's, who, who leads an organization, you know, you always have a little bit of fear that, you know, people aren't there in the office, that work isn't getting done. But I think, you know, my experience has been exactly the opposite. I think more work is getting done by people because they're in a more positive environment, more self-directed environment. And yes, we spend a lot more time on conference calls. Communication is definitely more deliberate than it was in, you know, flying by the hallway with somebody and being, oh, I meant to ask you this question. You know, you actually have to schedule a meeting time to do it or pick up the phone and call somebody to I get, you know, to make sure we're communicating. But there are advantages on both sides. I think, uh, I think there are a group of people who are like, hey, you know what? I really like this working from home. I'd like to continue doing it. And there's a group of people who are like, you know what? I was fearful of, you know, maybe my employees or my staff doing that. And I'm not as fearful anymore because I see that things are getting done. So that's been interesting. But I also agree with you. There's a whole swath of people that are like, 
what have I been doing the last five, 10 years? I've been, I've been in the rat race and suddenly I'm not. And there's some real advantages to having time to meditate, work out, do the things that we know we should be doing and do them with the people we love. I think it's going to be hard for my children when I go back to work and they go back to school, so to speak. Not that I haven't been at work, but it's going to be different. It's going to feel like there's a loss yes. almost. I think we have not put enough thought into that yet because people are saying, thinking of like, oh my gosh, as soon as this is done, I'm going to do this and this and this. But we're kind of discounting the fact that we're gaining some real treasures here in, in terms of time and our interaction with people. And we want to make sure we don't miss those. I agree. I think what we've lost in entertainment, because, you know, for me personally, I think people who've listened to the podcast at all know I'm a sports fanatic. I miss my sports. I miss watching baseball on television and going to a hockey game. And, you know, but what we've lost in those areas, I do think we've made up in other areas. I have never done as many Legos as I have in the past (laughs) (laughs) past four weeks, but it's been quality time. And, you know, my dog probably doesn't want to go for any more walks. But uh, it's. Yeah, that's all the dogs when the people go back to work. They're going to be like, wait, 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 we thought we had a new world and we were running it. And well, you know, there's been a lot of dogs adopted from shelters. It's gonna, you know, for pet population, I think there's been a lot of positive. I certainly hope people uh, take as much care of that uh, animal that they're bonding with right now when they go back to work. And they don't find that suddenly it is a little bit more difficult when you have to find a dog walker than it is to work from home. You know, there are some positives in the world. You know, somebody, another thing, you know, I wanted to bring up on the positive side is, you know, social distancing is, is interesting in that most of us know that, you know, when we're in crowds or we're in public or anything, we always have a bit of the risk of getting the flu or, or, you know, a cold or something, you know, you have this. But the social distancing thing for a lot of people, they need to remember that they aren't doing this for themselves. It's not about whether or not you get sick. It's about helping other people not get sick, many of whom are strangers to you. This truly is an opportunity to give back to the world by doing something that most of us never would have thought that way, simply staying home and help the world by doing your part. It's really a collective effort to improve, you know, the lives and the health of the people in the world. But in order for it to work, it has to be a collective effort. It's a very interesting thing that's going on. It isn't good enough that you stay home. Your neighbors have to, too. So it's just an interesting social dynamic going on. And I find it fascinating that so many people are adopting the social distancing you know, not just because they're told to, but because they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And it, in some ways, it gives me faith in humanity that people are out there doing the right thing. Yeah. And it's not just a, well, I'm not in that age group. So woohoo, thank God, I'm fine. Like there's yeah, I'm a perfectly healthy 27 year old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm, I'm perfectly healthy, but I'm not a 27 year old. But, <laughs> you know, but there is an altruistic element in some ways, putting your life on hold that's going on for a lot of people. And it's interesting to watch. And, and, you know, the more you look at social media, the more you get it. People get it. People understand it isn't about whether you're scared of getting sick. It's about doing this because it's the right thing to do for the human population. Very different. Yeah. And as we start thinking of others, one of the great things that's coming out of this is what it's done for our environment. 
Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, not just the air, but then I also was reading that there's a reduction in earthquakes and tremor activity because we don't have trucks and all these vehicles moving at such a, a high rate on our roads. Well, there's 30%, there's an article I read today, I think on USA Today, there's 30% less pollution in the Northwest, Northwest of the United States, Northern California, Oregon, Seattle, right now. 30% less. That's amazing. It really does highlight our impact on the environment, whether we realize it or not. Now, I do think there's some negative impacts on the environment because I have never seen as much recycling coming out of my house <laughs> as I have. <laughs> boxes and food containers and shipping and <laughs> shipping boxes <laughs> and crates. I'm like, wow, how do we fill up the recycling that fast? There is an element of we're not driving cross country. I mean, I realize the uh, energy. And we're not flying cost country. I mean, airplanes certainly play a part in that. And you know, there's a lot of things that contribute, just our daily lives that contribute to a strain on the earth. And certainly this opportunity to kind of live within our two-mile radius of our house is changing that. I hope environmentalists learn a lot from that and can apply it for the future. Absolutely. And I think we will. And I think we also learn how much we can do in a small area. Because that's yes. what's been interesting for me is to discover, I'm fortunate because I live in a city, I can walk to most places, but now I don't have to walk to them because they're closed. But being able to just, you know, walk to a nearby park and really I'm, I'm seeing Nashville in a very different way now. Yeah, I think it's, we are more neighborhood driven suddenly, right? We've mm -hmm. had decades of getting away from being in the neighborhood and now suddenly, you know, in my neighborhood, you go out and walk. There's certain times of the day, there's hundreds of people walking around the neighborhood. But you do see people out doing more in their immediate environment. It's been weirdly social. You know, it's like we've kind of banded together. I, I frequently wonder if this is what it felt like in previous eras, you know, where you went out and you walked your dog and you knew that person lived three houses down from you and you know their names and their dog. It's just different. I've always lived in a very community-based neighborhood, but it's kind of even accelerated. Yeah, and we know that human connection is so important. It's important for our well-being, and it's a very different approach to connection, but it's a connection nonetheless. Yeah, and I, I want to talk about that for a minute because, you know, we're talking about the benefits, but I do think there's one that I'm really passionate about, one negative, which, you know, we, we all know the studies about how important, or we know the studies from how important human connection and, and deep human relationships are to our mental health our outlook on life, our happiness, our perceived well-being, whatever it is, we know that relationships make all the difference in the world. We, we know that from Martin Seligman. We know that from James Barbara and Susan Pavelski and Barbara Fredrickson. And it's all about connections. Connections are the thing. That's the thing that, you know, really, it's good for the soul. It's the thing that really can enrich our life. And there are many people out there that because of where they live, their personal health issues, their age, that are feeling incredibly isolated right now because they don't have those deep connections. Maybe they didn't before, and this just accentuates this. Uh, you know, my mom, who, who, who lives with my, my father, my parents are both still alive, they're a little block and a half from us. But my mother, you know, she's 78 years old. She had a ritual of going to the Y every day and working out with her group of friends and seeing them. And it's one of the things that really keeps her happy that's been taken from her suddenly. 
it is super important that everyone remember that there are people around them that are like that and make the effort to reach out via phone, via FaceTime. Um, If you're walking by, you can knock on their door and back 10 feet away and have a conversation when they answer the door. But because those people are feeling somewhat helpless right now, and it's important that we all remember that if there's a happy act we can do right now, it's to maintain human connection or even build human connection with people who might otherwise be missing out on it right now. And it's got to be intentional now. You aren't going to run into them in the grocery store. But take that time because there's somebody you know to do that. And I, I am really passionate about that, largely because, you know, I see it in certain age groups. You know, our elderly are for a lot, you know, the most horrific thing about this entire time period for me is knowing that our people that are sick or there are people that are living in isolated environments anyway, they're further isolated by this and can't even be with their families. And that's a horrific thought for all of us. It absolutely um, is. And, you know, we know that loneliness is now, we, they've had studies, it's worse for you than smoking. It's worse for you than, you know, diabetes. It's it, loneliness is hazardous to your health. And so to have someone who is feeling lonely, who is feeling isolated and overwhelmed, and knowing that we can do something about it. What a great, I mean, and that's good for us. We talk about that all the time, doing something for someone else Mm -hmm. makes us feel good. So, you know, being able to reach out and make sure that these people aren't feeling lonely, that they do feel they have someone that they can talk to is huge. And don't overlook, a lot of what I've talked about was more than the elderly people, but don't overlook the single mothers of the world who are now trying to work from home and be parents and be school teachers, or somebody you know that just lives alone that, you know, might have a vibrant social life ordinarily or might have a, an adequate social life by going to work and coming home, but lives at home. It's not an age group specific thing. It really is difficult for uh, everybody, as we know, because human connection is so important. So I know we want to talk about the good things that are coming out of this, and there are good things, but let's not forget that we can make things better for people that aren't necessarily experiencing those things. And some people can be experiencing depression that you wouldn't expect. It is a mental shift, without a doubt. We don't know. I mean, you have friends, give them a call. You have acquaintances that you might see, work coworkers. You don't have to call a coworker about work. Sometimes you can just call to check in. But take the time to make the human connection. And it's very different to text somebody than it is to call. I want to remind everybody that just like uh, Facebook is not the same as sitting across the table from someone, a text is not the same as giving somebody a call. Here's somebody's voice. Give them, a, you know, give them a chance to, to speak with you. It, it's critically important that we come out, we come through this with stronger social relationships than we already have, to me, because that people need to feel loved, wanted. And when it comes to uh, talking about feeling depressed or potential depression, don't forget the joy of physical activity. You know, a lot of people hate to work out, but I don't know too many people that don't like the benefit right. of working out. Take the time. Go for a walk. You don't have to have a dog to go for a walk. It's not a requirement. They, they will let you walk on the street without a dog. It's okay. <laughs> but you must carry a leash, right? No. <laughs> you must carry a leash. <laughs> don't start calling some dog's name. Get everybody in a panic, okay? <laughs> Get outside. Sunlight's important. Vitamin D is important. Eating well is important. Eating from home is not an opportunity just to order pizza every night. Pay attention to your diet. Take care of your physical well-being as well as your mental well-being during this time. Because it's difficult. It's different. We are the most connected, most mobile, most stressed out, most 
schedule to the minute society that this earth has ever seen. And suddenly we're told stop Mm -hmm. and it's different. And so what's your advice? I mean, you're, you're really already giving it, but I see this as being able to use it as a great reset, like to take the things that we like in our lives and concentrate on them and develop them further and take the things that don't serve us anymore and find something to replace them with. And so how would you recommend people go about doing this and making the most of this time? Well, I think because we're in our own homes right now, we're going to find that we are doing the things that we would most like to engage in, right? We're not, we're spending time, we're making our choices on how our time is spent. Not entirely, we still have children to educate and uh, teachers, you know, God bless you, but really, God bless you. I've got three children and <laughs> it's homeschooling is, is, is an interesting adventure. But take the time, you have the time, you've cut out transportation to work. You've cut out being the chauffeur for your children. You've cut out meeting your friends to do something. Don't forget social hangouts though. Don't, you know, there's a lot of things that people are doing like watching a movie together from home. I think those things are great. Don't forget that. But take the time to really take a look at what it is that brings you joy. Is it gardening? Is it spending more time building Legos with your kids? I'm not sure that's the answer for me. Um, is, it, um, <laughs> is it meditating? Is it actually, now that you have the time to think about what your goals are, is it actually going through that process of saying, this is where I want to be in 10 years and how do I get there? And starting to map that out for yourself. Is it discovering your purpose? You know, but put the time, set aside 15, 20 minutes a day that you're journaling. Journaling is very helpful with this. You're getting your thoughts down, your hopes, your dreams, your bucket list. Set aside 20 minutes time for yourself. Journal. Just do that because you have the 20 minutes now. 20 minutes you didn't, that you, you, you didn't think you had. You've discovered you haven't. Take that time, figure out what it is you want out of life so that when you come out of this, you can start making better decisions. You have a little extra time to invest in yourself. Decide how you want to invest it and do it. Don't just, you know, binge watch Ozark or whatever else it is you haven't seen <laughs> Tiger King. on Netflix. Tiger King. Yeah, we've all been watched Tiger King, right? I haven't, but uh, <laughs> you know, don't just do that. This is an opportunity not just to become a couch potato. Invest in yourself. You're probably never going to have a time like this again. Uh, yeah, we probably won't. And do we need to start thinking about how we're going to do our reentry? Like, do we need to kind of have a strategy to keep from just going back to that breakneck pace and that go, go, go life? I think we should think about a strategy, but I think it's really difficult to have one right now. Because we, um, like. we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like for youth sports and my kids' school and or even my office. I don't know what working remote guidelines are necessarily going to be after this. I don't know how quickly we're going to be allowed to go back to that. I don't know that I'm eager, even as much as I love sports, to sit in a stadium full of 48,000 other people right now. I think that's going to have to evolve. But I think if we can spend the time right now figuring out what's important to us to keep, what do we miss? What do we really genuinely miss about what was before? That's probably important. And then what have we found value in today that we didn't realize we were missing before? If we can decide on those things, when the time for reentry comes, I think it's going to be easier 
to make the right decisions about reentry. That's great. Yeah, that's terrific insight. And I do think that it's such an unusual time and being, every person's going to use it a little bit differently, but we really can come through this feeling better about the, ourselves, about where we're going and what we want to do and what, what we need. Well, I feel better about people in general. I mean, I always feel pretty good about people, but I feel better about people in general as a result of this. Just the collective doing the right thing that's going on is inspiring. And I hope my children remember this. And I hope it's a short period. I hope that, you know, next year we're all kind of back to uh, whatever next looks like, because I don't think we ever go back to before. Right. I don't think any of us ever go back to before. I think all of us will make conscious changes based off of this. I just don't know what they're going to be yet. Excellent. Well, Deb, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And this is definitely a conversation I wanted to have with you. And if we could have it with a few thousand people listening, even better. (laughs) (laughs) I always like to have these conversations as well, Paula. It's always a joy to get on the podcast. Uh, I think when we start hearing more about reentry, we should get on this and we we should have another conversation and start talking about what people really can do. But, you know, one of the things I know that is definitely changing is we all have become technology experts because we've had to. So I think there's going to be be some definite changes there in how we work. I think a lot of this accelerated what was already going on as we all moved to technology. I think we just got there faster. So it's interesting. It's fascinating. And hopefully, you know, people are taking the time to listen to the podcast. So get the word out, share it with your friends if they're not, haven't already discovered it. You know, we have a tremendous number of listeners, dedicated listeners, and uh, for for you guys, uh, please share. I think uh, there's a lot of positive going on in the world, and I think we still need to have more conversations about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. As this goes on, we'll get them back and talk about it again. All right. Well, you take care, Paula. All right. You do the same, Deborah. That was Live Happy CEO Deborah Heise talking about how to find the positivity in the pandemic. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at livehappynow.com and just follow the links. And while you're there, we also invite you to visit our Live Happy store where you can stock up on positivity essentials and enjoy 15% off with the code LIVEHAPPYNOW. That is all we have time for today, so we'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.